This is the Purpose Lab. People make you successful in anything. Therefore, leaders need to focus on people. Surround yourself with the best people possible. That's absolutely critical. Job one of a leader is to hire absolutely the best people you possibly can. We got to keep getting better, keep growing, keep developing people. And as a leader, that's your job. Thank you for once again joining us on the Purpose Lab, where our job and our mission and what we're trying to do is interview the world's most successful failures, failures who were able to reframe how they look at failure and make it work for them and not to them. And so I'm excited about the guest that we have. I'm going to read a little bit of his bio. But this is kind of hard for me because I've been working with with this gentleman. I've worked with this gentleman for 16 years. So uh, as I read this, uh, just understand that he's very accomplished. But but Tim Selgo is the author of two phenomenal books. He was the athletic director at Grand Valley State University for 20 years. During that time, the GVSU athletic program won Director's Cups, which is is the top collegiate athletic um, award that you can win. And we won it astonishing 10 times. The teams won 18 national championships. He was named the AD of the year three times. As well as a respected leader in college athletics throughout his career, he's done so many phenomenal things. Now, he's a teacher. He's a part-time professor at Davenport University and is a senior consultant with athletic staffing and consultants. But more than any of those um, things that I read, I consider him a dear, dear friend, a mentor, and I really appreciate him being a guest on the Purpose Lab. Welcome, Tim Selgo. How are you? Thank you, Damon. Uh, glad to be on with you. I'm doing well, and uh, it's great to hear your voice and get a chance to chat with you. Definitely, definitely. Thank you for being here. How you feeling? How you feeling? I know we've been hearing things and seeing things on Facebook. How are you feeling as far as your health? I'm doing fine, thanks. Had a little surgery at Mayo Clinic a couple weeks ago, and uh, I don't bounce back quite like I used to back in the day, but uh, uh, every day I'm getting a little less sore and a little more mobile, so I'm well on the road to recovery. Doing well, thanks. Definitely, definitely. Um, it's, it's interesting because I've had a chance to interview a lot of your former student athletes as well. And so this is exciting. And I'm glad that our listening audience will get a chance to just hear from a true leader. And I want to go a little different direction with you because I know you're big on leadership and, and developing leaders. And so the first question I have for you, Tim, and we're going to speak as friends as we always do. So go ahead and continue to talk about how it's time for me to shave my head just like you. Um, Michael Jordan did it. So so all the greats, as you told me, do it. So I'm, I'm excited once I finally do it so well as long as, when your hairline continues to recede Damon and yours is uh you've got to be thinking about it more and more every day just FYI on that buddy <sighs> see see what we do see what we do all right so Tim what is your purpose what is your purpose well that that's a great question I, I tell you what my purpose is now you know for 40 years I was involved in college athletics, and for 35 of those years I worked in college athletics, seven as a coach and 28 as an administrator. And my purpose uh, boiled down to providing the best experience I possibly could for our student-athletes. Mm. That was the overall uh, purpose in, in everything I did. Uh a uh, quick story, Damon. I my best my chance to get into college athletics. I had the wonderful opportunity. I played basketball at the University of Toledo, and I uh, got my bachelor's and master's degrees in education at Toledo. And we had some really good teams. That I had some great teammates and a terrific coach. And uh, uh, after one year of teaching and coaching at the high school level, <clears throat> he hired me back as his assistant coach. So at age twenty four. I got my big break. I got a chance to get back into college athletics in a full-time position. And I can remember to this day, my wife and I uh, were on our honeymoon. It was the summer of 1982. We were married on July 24th, and we spent uh, uh, two weeks in Colorado. And in early August, when I got back uh, on that Monday, my first day on the job in college athletics, I can remember walking into Savage Hall, as the arena is known at Toledo, and said to myself, okay, dude, here you go. Go out there and help those kids have the same great experience you had. Mm. 
And my experience wasn't easy. You know, at the top of our broadcast here, you mentioned failure. Uh, uh, I experienced failure, especially my freshman year, and it was a challenge for me. Uh, But it was a great learning experience. I couldn't ask for a better learning experience. The lessons that I learned during those four years of of a student athlete helped shape my life and who I am and help uh, shape my career to this day. So for the next 35 years, that was my purpose. And then in uh, four years ago, uh, actually almost four years ago to the day, actually it was July 16th, 19, or 2016 is when I retired after 20 years as the director of athletics at Grand Valley. And then I started my second career. You know, I I was 58. I was very tired, but I wasn't ready to retire completely. And but I had to develop a new uh, career, a new brand, if you will. And as you mentioned, uh, I've been doing several things. Um, Probably the most prominent has has been as a consultant for athletic staffing and consultants. Um, I work, I've been on over 30 college campuses the last four years. I work with athletic departments and their athletics directors and help them be the best they can be, whatever that is. That might mean strategic planning. That might be doing a a departmental review. That might mean uh, doing my strategic leadership program, which is a two-year program where I work directly with an athletics director and his or her staff uh, for two full years. Uh, I've been also, as you mentioned, I've taught in the uh, sport management department at Davenport University, teaching uh, mainly an athletics leadership course. And uh, I've written two books, uh, Anchor Up, uh, Competitive Greatness, The Grand Valley Way. And then my most recent book I just uh, published May 1st was Make One Play. And I'm working on book number three, uh, as we speak. So uh, in addition to that, I've had the wonderful opportunity to do some speaking. I've had numerous chances. In fact, far more than I thought. That would be the one thing that surprised me post my first career, that I actually I, I did a ton of speaking. As you know, Damon, and I know you do a lot of speaking. I did a ton of it while I was in AD. Well, I've been pleasantly surprised by uh, how many folks have asked me uh, uh, to speak to their group or team or uh, whatever. And uh, about six weeks ago, I was thinking, you know what? I don't know. My speaking gigs seem to be drying up. Uh, COVID, <coughs> COVID has arrived and, and, and maybe I'm uh, uh, not going to get many more speaking gigs. I'm getting older. And, and then lo and behold, I got five speaking gigs uh, here in the next uh, four months. So uh I've had to rebrand myself, and I'm self-employed more or less. I'm an independent contractor for the consulting firm, and and it's been a lot of fun. And actually, I've had a blast. But here's why it's worked. As you mentioned, what's your purpose? My only purpose uh, now is to help others. Mm. I just want to help others. You know, I've been through a lot during that career in college athletics and what I've gone through. I think I've learned a lot. I love to learn. If the good Lord gave me any talents, I've always said the one that he's given me that I think I'm, uh, I have an abundance is a love to learn. I love to learn. I love to get better. I love to try different things. You'd be proud of me, Damon. I'm learning how to cook. And actually, uh, Terry, my wife, would tell you that I'm I'm getting better at it too. Um, so I'm learning, and and but I want to help others. And my mission now it's not about money, it's not about accolades, it's not about wins, it's not about losses. It's to help others in their professions, in their lives, uh, that may or may not be something for which uh, I get paid to do. But that's not my career now. Uh, certainly as a consultant, certainly as an author, certainly as a speaker, you know, uh, I get paid for those things, but that's not the driving motivation at all. Uh, it's simply to help others. And I keep telling myself, if I stick to that mission, if I stick to that purpose, I'll be fine. And it is amazing how uh, I think the, the good Lord has, has blessed me and allowed me to be able to find my second career and rebrand myself into a uh, 
uh, mentor, teacher, author, and man, it's been a lot of fun. Definitely, definitely. I, I think about everything that you've said and the stories I know about you, but you know, our listening audience may not know exactly all the things that you've done. And so I want to make sure that we touch on some of those, but I think about the different coaches that you've hired and I think about leadership and character, right? And so it's a coach that, and the many, and we'll get to that, but I remember hearing the story about when you worked here at Grand Valley, how this coach was under fire and you worked with this coach. And now I think about where this coach is now. You know, I'm talking about Brian Kelly. What made you stick in and what were the characteristics that you seen from Brian Kelly? No, not knowing that he would be where he is now, but knowing that he had the characteristic to develop a great program. How did you know that? How did you how did you help him discover that whole thing? Well, I, I have to tell a story. Uh, you know, I got stories, Damon. I know you do. Let's keep them brief, Tim. <laughs> I'll try to keep it brief. In fact, I will uh, tell you the, the the total version of the story is in my book, uh, Anchor Up. Uh, so uh, that that's a shameless plug for that book. But, you know, when I got to Grand Valley, prior to even arriving at Grand Valley, I had been told by a former college and NFL coach who had been doing some scouting in the NFL and he had scouted in the GLIAC, our conference. And he knew I was going to be, I was a finalist for the AD job at Grand Valley. And he happened to go to our church and pulled me aside and he said, Hey, just so you know, they got a great young coach up there in Brian Kelly. So coming to Grand Valley, I had that in my mind. I had great respect for this person that told me that. And if he told me that you could take it to the bank. This guy knew sports, he knew coaches, he knew good coaches. And so I get to Grand Valley and I'm around Brian for a couple months. This is in the springtime now, uh, watching spring ball, watching him operate the program. And I'm thinking, man, I got a break here. This guy's really good. And football being, you know, I think we could uh, uh, confidently call it the flagship sport at Grand Valley. That, That was important, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, but when I got to Grand Valley, a lot of people weren't real happy with Brian, <laughs> and I couldn't I couldn't quite understand that. His winning record was well over seventy percent. He was in the top ten in Division Two in winning percentage, and I'm thinking, what's going on here? And but you know, I was 38. Brian was only 34 at the time, and you know, uh, Grand Valley had never won a playoff game at that time, Damon. So. Uh, you know, that's uh, uh, that's what folks really wanted to do, of course, is to get to the quote-unquote proverbial next level, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm sitting there and I'm watching Brian as the years go by and other people that I respected thought very highly of him. and and But I didn't need that. I knew we had a very talented coach that, you know, he was 34, he needed to grow. He needed to develop. I mean, think back, Damon, 16 years ago when you came to Grand Valley. You know, look how far you've developed and matured and gotten better, just as I did as an AD. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody needs that. Everybody needs yes. that time to grow. Everybody needs to go through that failure, as you mm-hmm. mentioned, and, and go through adversity. And it was easy, and it's not only easy with just Brian Kelly, but all, I think of a lot of coaches we had at Grand Valley mm-hmm. that, you know, they're – they hit their stride and they got a wonderful record now and things are great, but it wasn't always that way. Mm-hmm. They had to learn and grow and develop. You know, nobody in any career is really good coming out of the gate. None of us mm-hmm. are. And so I looked for people that were talented, that worked hard and that cared about kids. And were always trying to get better as a coach and knowing their stuff. And if they were doing that, if they were working hard and getting better and they cared about kids, I, I hung with coaches, uh, you know, th- that, that's what we wanted. One of the keys, Damon, I think the leadership in, in finding the right people, and this is an athletics term, but I think people in all walks of life can apply it to their profession. It, when I came to Grand Valley, I wanted to build successful programs. I didn't just want one winning season. You know, fans like to have that warm and fuzzy feeling because their team won the Super Bowl, okay? 
And the Chicago Bears won it in 1986, and they haven't won it since. And all the Bears fans still talk about the 1986 Bears. And you want to say, folks, that was 34 years ago. Wake up, smell the coffee here, okay? You're not very good. (laughs) And I didn't want that. I didn't want one-hit wonders. I wanted coaches and leaders that were thinking long-term. I wanted to think long-term. I was willing to... Uh, I heard the uh, in one of my devotions about a month and a half ago, uh, the book I was reading talked about delayed gratification mm. and how we're not very good at that today. We just aren't. We want this COVID-19 pandemic to go away tomorrow, get a vaccine and go away tomorrow. It's not going to work that way. It's not. We got to hang in there. We got to have discipline. We got to work hard. We got to wear masks. We got to have social distance, and we got to do the very best we can given those tough conditions if we're going to defeat this thing and get past it. And it's going to take time. Building a program takes time. Learning how to do your job well takes time. And when you talk about it in those terms, we're talking about years. It takes years to master your craft. You don't do it overnight, and you never have, and you never will. About the only thing. Uh, we all kind of learned overnight was when we got our first smartphone and started clicking with our thumbs. And lo and behold, we learned some things and we thought we were experts at it. And there wasn't much to learn after that, right? So we all want it to happen now. It doesn't work that way. Good leadership knows that. The last point I'll make about good leadership, and whether it's Brian Kelly or, or any of the great coaches we've had at Grand Valley, A very underrated element of leadership is maturity. The best leaders have maturity. Uh, When I think of Barack Obama, I think of maturity. He was relatively young for a president, but he was mature way beyond his years. I think of maturity. You know, when Brian Kelly, uh, I watched us, I watched him as we went through some tough times. And he was feeling the heat, even in a Division II program. You know, we'd not won a playoff game. And we finally did in 2001. And in that same game, we lost Kurt Ains, our starting quarterback, probably the best player in the country. He tore three ligaments in his knee. But we finally won a playoff game. Well, Brian didn't panic. He showed great maturity. Uh, somehow we won the next two games and got in the national championship game. We lost that year, but Kirk came back, to, got back to full health, and we won the next year. And through that, Brian showed a maturity. Now, what, what are the actual uh, elements of maturity in leaders? They don't panic. They keep an even keel. They don't get too down. They don't get too high. They don't get upset with people who... They don't get real defensive and upset with people when people disagree with them. And Brian is at Notre Dame now, and he's been there 10 years, I believe. Well, four years ago, Damon, Notre Dame was four and eight. Mm. Four and eight. That is not good at Notre Dame, okay? Life was not fun for that coaching staff. Brian, though, I told my friends who were big Notre Dame fans, I said, listen, he's going to be fine. Relax. Oh, he's getting all kinds of heat on social media and the internet. Yeah, well, he doesn't pay attention to that. They're paying him millions of dollars, and that doesn't matter to him. He wants to fix it and get it right, and he will. And he did. He made some changes. And I went down there that spring, the spring practice after the 4-8 and season, and I watched Brian's demeanor. I got a chance to visit him. Wasn't panicked at all. Knew it was not a good year. Made the necessary changes was coming back with a better attitude, positive, looking forward. And in the last three years, they've won over 30 games. They've won over 10 games a season the last three years. And so, you know, that's, again, a a long story and a long answer to your question. But what do you look for in leaders? You know, I wanted people that thought would think long-term, that had the maturity to handle the tough times. Because let me tell you something. You're going to have tough times when you're a leader. It doesn't matter what your walk of life is. You're going to face some tough times. And if you panic and if you ride the ups and downs, it's going to be a lot harder than if you just keep your emotions in check and under control. 
Definitely. One of the things that you mentioned in your story, you talked about you trusted someone who told you they got a great coach. I think about when I took the job, when I first got to Grand Valley, it was division two. I was at a division one school at Washington state. And I remember talking to the athletic director there who I trusted a lot. He said, and he knew you. And he said, they got a special athletic director up there. And so when I came down for my interview, you know, it was, it was, it was great, but I was like, uh, do I really want to go? Do I really, do I want to stay at, maybe I have a better career if I stay at, at division one. And I remember going back and, and this is the story that changed my life and really just had me thinking about you. And I want to get to relationships, right? How important is relationships. And so I remember going home and I remember looking, it was at six, eight o'clock in the morning or something. And I remember seeing on TV, Grand Valley State playing in a national championship game. And I woke my wife up and I said, hey, hey, remember that school I interviewed? They're playing on ESPN. She was like, no, they're not. You said they don't get TV time. I said, I don't know. I don't know. They're on TV right now. And I remember calling my friends and said, hey, remember that school I interviewed at? They're playing on ESPN. Turn on it. And they turn on ESPN. They said, yeah, I see them. They cool. But why they got Popeye on their their helmet? But that was something different. But, But I remember after the game, I had called you and you answered the phone and I said, hey, I wanted to take the position and you said, hey, I'm traveling with the team, but that's great. But before you make your decision, I want you to fly down with your wife. And so I want you to call Sandra Jennings, your your assistant and schedule appointment because I need to make sure everybody in your family is going to be happy. And I told my wife, I said, hey, they want to fly you down because he wants to make sure you're happy. And I knew it was the atmosphere that I wanted to be in because of that. So not only was it the relationship. So as I tell that story, I think about relationships and how important relationships are. You've talked before about how leadership, you, you, you lead people, you manage things. Talk to me how important it is to have relationships with, with the people who you want to follow you as a leader. Well, it's all about people. And I'm, I'm glad you shared that story that, you know, makes me feel good that, uh, you know, 16 years later, that, that was a pretty good call, wasn't it, Damon? Great call. Steve Valley's have been great for Grand Valley. I, I just have met a huge impact, and it's been wonderful. You know, uh, it doesn't matter what profession you're in. We're in higher education, and college athletics is education. People make you successful in higher education. People make you successful in athletics. And I would argue people make you successful in anything. You know, we're not making widgets in, in, in higher ed. Uh, even if we were, I would still argue people make you successful. People have to make a product. People have to sell the product. People have to market the product. People have to m- manage the system uh, and lead the people in, in creating the right system to make the product work in the production of it or the sales or the service or whatever it is. People make you successful. Therefore, leaders need to focus on people. Surround yourself with the best people possible. That's absolutely critical. Job one of a leader is to hire absolutely the best people you possibly can for your positions. And even, you know, every entity is different. Every organization is different. Some have more resources than others. You know, Grand Valley, we had a lot going for us. We got a beautiful campus, outstanding education we could offer. But there's a lot of schools like that, Damon. It's the people that make it successful, people that make it special. And the number one job of a leader is the hiring process. You know, you just described just one example when we hired you and and Sherelle. And, you know, I could go through all kinds of examples of the time and the effort, the energy, and trying to leave no stone unturned in the hiring process to make sure we got the right person. And we certainly did in your case. So we've got You've got to uh, spend an inordinate amount of time and know that's job one. You know, you mentioned Sandra Jennings, my administrative assistant for 20 years at Grand Valley. And we couldn't have had the success that we had without Sandra. And, and the things she did behind the scenes that nobody ever knows about. All right. And one of those was helping us in the hiring process. You know, at a public institution like Grand Valley, there's some hoops to jump through when you have to hire someone and replace someone. 
And we had that down pat. Sandra uh, had uh, completely mastered the paperwork needed for our human resources office so that when we even smell the position might be available, she started getting the paperwork ready to go so that we could get the approval and go and get going and get going fast. And we would uh, uh, go through search processes. They were exhausting, but it's the most important thing you do is who you surround yourself with. Then once you get the people on board, it's the development of those people. You know, nobody hires the perfect AD or the perfect coach or the perfect academic advisor. Nobody does. Nobody's perfect. But we got to keep getting better, keep growing, keep developing people. And as a leader, that's your job. That's your job to invest in professional development in your staff. That's your job to help them grow and get better so that someday they can be you and take and and be in the uh, leadership role. And the the most time you can spend uh, as a leader is with your people and de- developing your people. I had a mentor, and and this what you're kind of getting at, Damon, a little bit here is, uh, you know, know who your mentors are too. Surround yourself with great mentors. Surround yourself with successful people as mentors. I think that's key. People got to listen to the right people. Find successful people. Find get find ways to get to know them. And, and Damon, you've done a great job of that. And now you're doing that for a whole bunch of young uh, men out there. Uh, Matt Armstrong, by the way, uh, mentioned your name. I met with he and Sam at Mayo Clinic. Yeah. Sam, his wife, works there. Sam was a great uh, All-American national champion uh, thrower on a track teams. Matt was All-American center on our football team and a call conference thrower in track. And so now you're getting a chance to mentor a lot of people. And that's that's where leadership is fun, man. That's what mm-hmm. this is about. That's, yeah. you know, I, you know, you, you were very kind to me in my intro. You said some very nice things about me, AD of the year and all that. You know, the reason I, I got those nice awards is because we had a lot of great people doing great things at Grand Valley. So me, the leader, got to go up at the banquets and, and get this nice award. That was great. But it didn't happen uh, without all the people, uh, and, and including just a couple that I mentioned, you know, doing so much work and doing it so well and getting better at it year after year after year. That's how we built something special over 20 years. And that's the job of the leader. And again, that takes time, Damon. That doesn't happen overnight. It didn't happen overnight at Grand Valley. We again, we didn't win a playoff game until 2001. Grand Valley had football for 30 years prior to that, <laughs> and we didn't. We weren't winning much at all in the late 90s when I yeah. first got there. It took four or five years, and then all of a sudden, you know, we got the right people in place, and 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 we got some confidence, and it just took off from there. I just got finished doing a virtual conference for some high school and college students, a three-day conference I did last week. And I had told them a story because I walked them through an assessment, so the disassessment. And we were talking about the different styles, and I told them about you. And I said, this one incident that I remember, it was it was Tim was getting towards the end of his career, and we were in the break room, and it was a bunch of stuff happening in our conference. And I knew because we had our senior management team meetings, and so I knew what was going on, but I was excited to tell him something about what DJ, my son, was doing. And he was always listening. But this particular time, I knew he had something else on his mind. And so I kind of cut it short, and I left, went back to my office. The next day, you called me. And you said, hey, Damon, come down to the office real quick. And I came down to the office and you said, hey, just want to apologize because yesterday, you know, I wasn't all there, but you were telling me something about DJ and, and what's going on with them. And it warmed my heart. And I think about all the different coaches that you've had, you know, all the different assistant coaches. How important, because you heard me, how important is it for a leader to hear the people that is working for them, that is up under them? How important is listening? It's, it's absolutely critical. You know, when I do some of my speaking, uh, I have a uh, uh, a slide where I show a, 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 uh, an excerpt from a book, uh, Lincoln on Leadership, Donald Phillips' short book, Lincoln on Leadership, about Abraham Lincoln. And the slide goes something to the effect of uh, uh, Lincoln took the time 
to spend with his people. He took time out of his busy schedule to spend time with his people. And that was a big reason for his success as a leader. And that's absolutely critical. You can't get better. You know, when you're a leader, you've got a lot of things on your plate. And there's a lot of things on the checklist to get done. And, you know, there's so many things that they'll all, they'll be there tomorrow. But what isn't always there is that time to work on that relationship with your people and helping your people to grow. And as, as you know, Damon, with your student athletes that come see you, half the battle is just listening to them. Mm-hmm. They, they need a listening ear. Uh, I think back over my career of 28 years in administration, both at Toledo and Grand Valley, and some of the tough times some of our staff went through, uh, from cancer to death to uh, divorce to, you know, those are, those are tough. And, if, and, and, you know, as the leader, I can tell you, I didn't always have the answer, mm. but I could listen mm. and I could offer some words of encouragement or comfort and, and, and give it some thought and maybe somewhere along the way, really be able to give something that would help them. But most importantly is listening. Take time out of your busy schedule to listen. You know, right now, uh, as you know, with this pandemic that we're in and the uncertainty of the fall semester of school, of fall sports, of, you know, these students are anxious. The staff is anxious. They don't know. You know, there's a lot of uncertainty and everything's getting canceled, you know, here in the last couple of weeks. And, you know, it doesn't look good. And, and it's going to be a tough time. And, you know, there, there aren't any easy answers to it. Nobody's going to wave a magic wand tomorrow and say the pandemic's over. That's not going to happen. But what you can do as the leader and, you know, the thing that I'm trying to impress upon my, my clients that are athletics directors, number one, keep an even keel. Keep your emotions in check. This is a very emotional deal. One day it sounds good. One day it sounds bad. One day it sounds like we're going to have a vaccine by the end of 2020. And yesterday, my sister-in-law's 87-year-old mother uh, gets COVID. Mm -hmm. And so you've got to keep your emotions under control, uh, especially critical for the leader during these times, because it's hard to say who's going to be affected in in, in a negative way. I mean, everybody's going to be down about it. Everybody's going to, but but some are going to take it harder than others. And, And the best thing that a leader can do is take time out of his or her schedule for their people, out of their busy schedule, which might mean one more Zoom meeting than you'd really like to have, okay? It might mean just a, a phone call. It just might mean you got a text from someone, didn't sound great, call them. Let them hear your voice, okay? Uh, and 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 Or it might mean somebody just needs a smile. Somebody needs a word of encouragement. So there, this is not rocket science, but there is um, the effort to listen to your people and to take time out of your schedule is incumbent upon leaders if they want to be successful. Definitely, definitely. When you talked, when you spoke just just a minute ago, and and we talked about briefly about um, relationships. You've had a chance and we talked about mentors and importance of surrounding yourself around successful people. Now, I've heard this story before, Tim, so I need you to cut it down for me because it's a powerful story. So I need my audience to listen to it. You had the opportunity to go visit before he passed away. One of the most successful coaches to ever walk this planet. What were some key um, things that you took from that meeting? And if you could talk to our audience about who that was. Sure. Well, the, the person was Coach John Wooden, a great basketball coach at UCLA. And again, in both of my books, Anchor Up and Make One Play, I share parts of uh, that visit in both of those books, Damon. So thanks for the segue into a, another shameless plug for my books. But Coach Wooden, uh, you know, I grew up in the 60s and 70s as a young kid, and the UCLA was winning the national championship every year. And so I wanted to uh, 
play for UCLA. Of course, I was never quite good enough to play at UCLA, but uh, I did go to the University of Toledo. But John Wooden was a mentor to me from a distance. Mm. I read every book written by Wooden or about Wooden. I have them in my library, okay? And I've read some of them more than once. And I would tell anybody that's listening to this, if you want to learn about leadership, read a book by or about John Wooden. And I don't care if the copyright was 50 years ago. You'll learn something, trust me. His lessons on leadership and teaching in life are timeless. And if you want to be successful, read that and read it carefully. So I had the wonderful opportunity, Damon, as you know, um, when Coach Wooden was 95 years old, and this would have been 2006, I believe, uh, to visit with my wife and I, and Chuck Martin was our head football coach at Grand Valley, and his wife, Tim Schoonveld, now the AD at Hope College, and his wife, and the gentleman uh, uh, that helped arrange it. That's a wonderful supporter of Grand Valley and his wife. And the four us four couples uh, got a chance to spend three and a half hours with Coach Wooden in his little two-bedroom apartment in Encino, California, right, in Southern California. And it was very humble, very humble home. You know, I can't imagine a coach of his stature today not having a multi-million dollar mansion. And Coach Wooden had a two-bedroom apartment, okay, like we all had when we were in college. Mm -hmm. And he spent three and a half hours with us at age 95. And he was sharp as a tack. Physically, he was very frail, did not move real well, had a cane, um, but he was unbelievably humble and gracious in sharing uh, of his thoughts, his time, and I'll never forget that. Now, understand this. When he retired as a coach uh, in 1975, Coach Wooden spent the next 20 years or so traveling around the world giving speeches, speaking at clinics, you know, speaking to businesses, and so on. And when he got to the point where physically he couldn't do that anymore, he had people come to him. They came and joined him in his little apartment like we did. And it was just, for me, Damon, as I've said before, it was like going to the mountaintop. You know, here I am, uh, a guy that I thought is the, I think Coach Wooden is the best uh, coach at any level of any sport in my lifetime. And I got a chance to spend three and a half hours with him. And it was so wonderful. And at the end of it all, uh, uh, the leader of our expedition said, Coach, would you mind uh, getting some photos taken with us and sign some things? He said, no, no, I'd love to. I'd, I'd be glad to. And he spent another half hour with us. And I got a picture in my office of my wife and I, uh, you know, with our arms around Coach Wood. And then I took the first book uh, Wood never wrote, uh, or I'm sorry, the first book ever written about Wood was in 1972, the uh, Wizard of Westwood. No, that isn't it. My my bad. It's they call me coach. Coach. Okay, they call me coach, and I read that book in the eighth grade, 1972, and I read it about five times. And I'm thankful. Uh, as I'm getting older, I forget things a little more, but I didn't forget to take that book with me, and I took it with me. And Coach Wooden autographed it for me. And man, mm. is that a that's a treasure in my library. So that was a, a wonderful experience. But it speaks to this, Damon. It speaks to the point of finding the right manners, finding the right people to listen to. We all know that. You know, who are the people that are smart and mature and of high character, high morals? Those are the people to look at and follow and learn from. And that can happen whether you know them personally or not. I had great mentors in my father, my college coach, and other coaches. You know, Brian Kelly, we worked together. But, you know, uh, a lot of coaches at Grand Valley that we've had are successful. They've been just great role models. It's so important. And so I recommend to anybody listening to this, choose your mentors wisely. That's, um, that's a great point. And I think about, you know, I always talk about when I go speak, You'll be as successful as the people you hang around in the conversations you're having. 
Right. And so you've given me the opportunity through the people that you've known. And I consider them friends now. I think about, you know, the different people that you've introduced me to when when we developed a, a leadership program, because you felt that it was important for our student athletes because we knew they had leadership, but we needed to give them some more. And we wanted them to take the different things that they were learning back to their prospective teams and to shape their communities and their societies once they left Grand Valley. And so I think about all the different people, because we talk about Brian Kelly, but you've had so many wonderful coaches, not not only here at Grand Valley, that you were able to be a mentor for, that you were help, that you helped become leaders. But I think about Nick Saban. People don't know that that you were at Toledo and, and you hired Nick Saban. Tell me about that story. Well, I was the associate athletics director in charge of men's sports. Al Bull was our athletics director at Toledo. And we hired Nick for his first head coaching job, 1990. Uh, Nick had... Uh, made his mark as an assistant coach in the college ranks, was the defensive coordinator at Michigan State when uh, George Perlis had some great success. And then he was coaching, the at that time, the Houston Oilers, the Tennessee Titans now. And uh, we hired Nick as our head coach. Uh, he went 9-2. and two. We, won, we were co-champs of the Minimum Conference, and then Bill Belichick hired him when Belichick was the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. He hired Nick as his defensive coordinator. So Nick had a chance to go from Toledo defense coordinator of the Browns. Uh, and so we're, it was only around him one year. Uh, but, you know, he even even then, you know, 30 years ago, people, they, t- they make a big deal out of him talking about the process. You know, the media would talk. He was talking about that. And he was right. He's got to stay focused on the process. You can't worry about the results. John Wooden talked about that all the time. You know, don't worry about the results. The results will take care of themselves. Get better at the process and what you're doing uh, to be the best team, your best player, the best team you can be. So that was a great experience. The other thing uh, I will mention about that is when he's talking about surrounding yourself with the best people possible, when Nick left, uh, I will remember the story that he was meeting with Peter Fields tonight. Peter Fields was our associate for business. We were sitting in Peter's office, and before he left, Nick had the class to go around and meet individually with everybody in that athletic department and thank them mm. for what they did for him. And he sat down with me and Peter and we had a good, uh, I want to say, as I recall it, a 30 to 45 minute uh, session, which, you know, he was getting ready to head to the Browns. And so uh, to his credit, he did that. And right before he left, the last thing he said, now listen, you guys are going to get a lot of great candidates for this job. This is a good job, and you're going to have a ton of really good candidates. But Gary Pinkle is the best out there by far. He'd be terrific for Toledo. And he went on to explain why. Now, here's what's interesting about that. I knew as a kid growing up in Ohio and and, and around the Mid-American Conference, and see, Nick played football at Kent State. He played for a guy named Don James. So did Gary Pinkle. And Gary Pinkle at that time was offense coordinator at the University of Washington for Don James, and they were they were doing great things out there on the West Coast. They were probably the best program in the Pac-10 at that time. And I knew Gary played with Nick at Kent State. And the first reaction I had when he said the best candidate out there is Gary Pinkle was, aha, he's trying to help his buddy out here get a head coaching job. And then he went on to explain why Gary would be terrific for Toledo. And so sure enough, he was on a short list and he hit, he hit it out of the park on every one of those points Nick had mentioned. And one of the things I learned in that, Damon, was great coaches, no great coaches. Mm. And so when I've gone in the hiring process, I've always sought the counsel of highly successful coaches or leaders or whatnot. Uh, you know, you get a lot of feedback on candidates. You get a lot of people telling you about candidates. Choose who you listen to wisely. And successful people, no successful people. One last story, and Damon, you know this as well as I. Uh, by the time you got to Grand Valley, Don Lovers had retired as our legendary president at Grand Valley. Don hired me 1996, and then five years later, uh, he retired. Well, Don, of course, is a legend at Grand Valley, and he's an icon, and he's always been a mentor. And I I always say he's one of the five smartest people that I know. And so I listen and listen wisely to Don 
whenever he talks about anything. Following him was Mark Murray. And as you well know, Mark was president in your early years at Grand Valley, then went on to be the CEO of Meyer. And once again, there's another guy that's one of the top five smartest people I know uh, yes. and, and has been a great mentor to you, me, and, and many, many others. And both of those individuals are not only smart, not only great leaders, not only highly successful, but they're people of great character with moral fiber. And that's important. And, and another mentor I have that I lean on is Father Jim Basic. He was the chaplain at Toledo for the, uh, I'm a Catholic Christian, and the Catholic uh, chaplain there was Father Jim Basic at the University of Toledo. He's in his late 70s now. I still get together with him whenever I go to Toledo, Ohio and have lunch because he's one of the five smartest people that I know. So at this time in my career, I want to listen to people like that. I want to listen to people that have been highly successful deep into their 70s. I'm 62. I got a long ways to go here. And so that's just one example that I share with your listeners. Choose your mentors wisely and 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 make sure you connect with them and learn from them. Definitely. You you mentioned something and I want I, I want to make sure that our audience understands this as well. Earlier, when I when I read your bio and all the success that you've had, and and we can go on and on. That was just a little clip that I that I read. But one thing that you've always said as, as we were winning directors cups after directors cups after directors cups, because you know we really started winning those directors cups the year I got there. Yeah. But as we started winning directors cups, you were the key, Damon. You th- there you go, there you go. You always would say, and you just said it a minute ago. And I want you to touch on it again is enjoying the journey because you can't always win a national championship, but really focusing on the journey and learning from that. Can you touch on that? How important is that? It's, it's critical to success. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, as I mentioned earlier, <laughs> success does not happen overnight and it takes time. And you always have to be in the mode of constantly learning, constantly getting better. When I played basketball at the University of Toledo, as we left the locker room, the sign above the doorway, as we left the locker room said, when you're through improving, you're through. Mm. And and that's that's always stuck with me. I guess I've always felt that uh, in many ways I've been limited. You know, I, I wasn't the quickest, fastest player on earth when I played or the strongest. Uh, so I had to make up for another ways. And I was worried somebody was going to catch me. Somebody was going to get, get better than me. And likewise, as a coach, likewise, as a as a leader. Um, and, you know, it's just constantly to learn. As I mentioned earlier, I think uh, of the, the one gift that I know the good Lord gave me. It's that love of learning. And I think it's it's really helped me in my life to constantly try to get better. You know, I facetiously mentioned I'm I'm learning how to cook, but it's been great for me. It's been healthy for me. It's been good for that. It's been good that, you know, I can do that for my wife now, that she doesn't have to do it that she did for me for all those years. Um, and, it, and I've enjoyed it. You know, I pop a little music on and I uh, got my recipes and, you know, I, 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 ha- I have fun with it. And that's what it takes. When you think back, Damon, to all the meetings that we had over the years and uh, week to week, the uh, game to game, the the day to day, it's a grind. College athletics is a grind. Uh, I mean, you work every weekend in college athletics for probably nine months out of the year. And that kind of wore me out, but you better enjoy it along the way. You better have some fun along the way. My a good friend of mine is Bill Goldring. Bill Goldring is the former athletics director at Ashland University. Their arrival of ours in the GLIAC, and Bill did a fantastic job when he was AD there. And he's retired now, and we still, I spoke with him yesterday, and we, we stay in touch about once a month. And one of the reasons why Bill was such a wonderful colleague of mine uh, during the time, you know, when you're in a leadership position, you're solving problems and making decisions. And that's stressful, but you're the leader. That's why the buck stops with you. 
All right, you've got to solve problems and make decisions, and that can wear on you. And invariably, I would call Bill, or Bill would call me, and both of us just needed to talk to somebody that was in the same shoes as the other person was, and he always made me laugh. And Bill said one time, he says, I told my staff, we're going to have fun. He says, we got to put in a lot of hours at this. And if we can't have fun, we ought to all get out of it and go do something else. And he's right. And I think that applies to any walk of life. You know, uh, not just college athletics, but teaching, uh, healthcare, uh, business, government. You got to have some fun along the way and stay focused on the process. Stay focused on teaching. You know, uh, and, and, and the results will take care of themselves. Again, I was lucky. My father believed in that. He was a wonderful teacher and coach. Uh, my college coach believed in that. He kept us focused on getting better as players and as a team. And if we got better as players and as teams, the end result would turn out fine. And I tried to do the same at, at Grand Valley. Just stay focused on, as you know, Damon, what our three fundamentals for success were uh, when I was there, create the best learning environment possible, challenge our teams to competitive greatness, and commit the energy necessary for success. If we could create the best learning environment possible and teach, that's what we're there for in higher ed. In college athletics, our learning lab is the fields and gyms. But we're there to teach, help those kids get their degree and prepare them for the rest of their lives. If we stayed focused on that, We'd have success. And our job was to challenge them to competitive greatness, come through with their best effort, best performance, what was most needed. You know, that's it's a competitive world out there. If you want to really be good at what you do, you better be competitive. You better want to come through with your best effort, best performance, what is most needed. Therefore, you better do it every day. And that led to our third fundamental of success, commit the energy necessary for success. Nothing good happens without hard work. You've got to have some enthusiasm and passion uh, for what you're doing. And if you stay focused on those things, if you notice those three fundamentals of success that we had, doesn't say anything about wins or losses or conference championships or, or All-American or national. Doesn't say anything about that. Those things will happen if we stay focused on that. So everybody in their organization needs to have that purpose, right? To help others. If I stay focused on helping others every day, I'll find success somehow, some way in this second career of mine. I'm not worried about that. But whatever your walk of life is, you know, find that purpose. Stay focused on the purpose. Stay focused on the process and you'll find success. Definitely. I know we're getting getting to the end, but I wanted to I'm reading a book now and, and this is my second time reading it. I'm actually listening to it, but it's servant leadership. Right. Servant leadership. And I think about how that's pretty much what you've taught me and what I've learned from you, because it's so easy to operate from the top down and we miss the customer. Right. And I've watched you encourage all of us to spend time with custodial staff, go to their golf outings, because it really was no top down. It was a uh, making sure that our main thing was the main thing, which was the people, which were the students. Because as you said, whether it's in, in academia, whether it's working at Costco, if that person who is not the general manager, if that person who's just the worker, if they're not focused on a customer, we don't have a business. Right. And so I appreciate you teaching me that philosophy, even before I read servant leadership. And and because you've always exemplified that and, and really just taught me to make it about people. And that's what you've been talking about is people and the relationships and just doing everything you can to grow. And so I appreciate that about all the different nuggets that you've been giving our listening audience audience. So I have to ask you this. So how would you define in the briefest sentence that you can success? And you just told me about fundamentals to success, but how would you in your next, how would you define success? What is success to you? What would you tell young people? I, uh, unashamedly borrow John Wooden's definition of success. I think Coach Wooden had the best definition of success ever. 
um, he constructed what he called his pyramid of success. And I would encourage any listener out there to Google John Wooden's pyramid of success. And it's a pyramid that has the building blocks of success and, and, and it builds up to the top. And at the top of his pyramid of success, he has his definition of success. And it goes like this. Success is peace of mind, which is the self satisfaction in knowing you did your best to become the best you're capable of becoming. So it's that peace of mind that you get as an individual from the self-satisfaction knowing you did your best to become the best you're capable of becoming. We've all experienced that at times in our lives. Whether we've been, we, we, we won the prize or not, we know we gave it our all. And we have that moment of peace where I did the best I could. And maybe the next week, it's time to move on and say, all right, now how can I do that better? But that's success. It's the peace of mind with self-satisfaction and knowing you did your best to become the best you're capable of becoming. And as Coach Wooden uh, always said, and he said this in this meeting we had with him, only you can know if you did your best. Others can't. Only you can know in your own heart and mind and soul, did I do my very best? So in my opinion, that's success. You know, we can't all be the CEO or the president or the the number one, okay? But we can do our best given what we have. Uh, And I appreciate you mentioning that, uh, Damon, because, you know, you're, you're at the office now when you leave you're probably going to run into Dave, the custodian, who always worked the second shift in the field house. And Dave, uh, I would always see Dave a lot of times as I was leaving, and I'd tell him, Dave, the building's yours, man. You're in charge. And Dave's work and others like him at Grand Valley to keep buildings clean and the campus looking beautiful was critical to our success in recruiting at Grand Valley. And, And you have to Surround yourself with the best people possible. That includes recruiting student athletes and recruiting staff and recruiting people like Damon Arnold. They have You have to impress them when they come to your facilities. And part of it is clean and well-maintained facilities. And Grand Valley has always been terrific about that. So don't tell me that Dave and all his uh, fellow custodians and the electricians don't matter. Are you kidding me? They matter greatly. And they led to our, they helped lead us to success. So uh, that definition by Coach Wooden is my favorite. And, uh, uh, you know, thank, thank for the lead in on, on the servant leadership, Damon, because one of the fundamentals of my book, Make One Play, is unselfishness. Mm-hmm. So maybe another definition of success is as a leader, if you help everybody around you be successful, you'll, re, you'll achieve success. And I experienced that because all of you, you and many others at Grand Valley were so good at what you did and, and, and made us successful that it helped me achieve success. So uh, that is, that's the definition of servant leadership, uh, I think, being unselfish in that sense. And and I appreciate in closing, I, I just want to say thank you once again for joining us on the Purpose Lab and, and everything that Tim Selgo, everything that he's talked about, everything that he said as it pertains to leadership and just being a better person and just just the success that he's had. I can say unequivocally that he exemplifies that by everything he does because he's taught me to be a better leader. He's taught me to be a better father. He's taught me to be a better man. And so I appreciate him for that. And like I said, when we first brought this podcast to you, the whole purpose lab was we wanted to go on a mission to interview the world's most successful failures. And Tim has talked about failing, but Tim has talked about moving and enjoying the journey and the different people that, you know, we see now Brian Kelly as the head coach of Notre Dame. We see Nick Saban and all the success he's had and so on and so forth. We see these people, but he was with these people before they had that success. And the same things that he told them, he is still telling the people that he's working with now because he said that it's about the people. And so thank you for making your life's mission about the people, because we've 
always appreciated you for that. And I thank you for everything that you injected into me to help me to help these young men, these young women, everyone that I come in contact with. Lastly, you spoke at a conference that I'll speak at this year um, with the maintenance crew. And you said it in order for the campus to look and for us to recruit we need what it is that they have. So we all have this gift and Dave has a great gift. The person who's mowing the lawn has a great gift. The person who does the laundry for our student athletes and student athletes across the country, they have a great gift. The person who's cooking in, in the different dining halls, the person who cleans the different, they have a great gift. So we all come to this planet with a gift and it's up to us as people to help them understand that the puzzle is incomplete without their peace. So thank you for allowing my peace to be a part of the puzzle that we created at Grand Valley together. So thank you, Tim Selgo. Thank you, Damon. Appreciate you having me on. It's been enjoyable and uh, uh, let's do it again sometime. We definitely will have to. We definitely will have to because the third book's coming out. So so we got to have you back for the third book. And you know I got stories, man. So I know, I know you. And we both do. That's why I had to make sure we cut it kind of short. So I appreciate you. And it's so funny when you talk about this broadcast ended at 633, which is one of my favorite scriptures, which is seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all other things will be given into you. So seek purpose and everything else will make itself the way it's supposed to be. So thank you, Tim Selgo. You're listening to The Purpose Lab with your host, Dr. Dia Farnham. Make sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app.